podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, and today we have another great guest, Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Likewise, Kyle. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on, brother. All right. Uh, Brendan, let me do a brief introduction for you, and then we'll have you tell us a little bit more about yourself. But Brendan is the founder and host of Master Talk, a YouTube channel that focuses on helping people improve their public speaking and presentation skills. Uh, so Brendan, I am super excited to have you on because I have, as I've been watching some of your YouTube videos, they have been absolutely incredible. And we'll talk more about that, but why don't you tell us more about yourself to kick it off? Absolutely, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. So the story started when I was in business school, I went to university and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby or football or baseball, I wasn't one of those types of guys. I did presentations competitively and that's how I learned how to speak, Kyle. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students in college and university on how to communicate ideas effectively. And that is how I got the idea for Master Talk, because I felt that everything that I was sharing with the audience wasn't really available for free online. So when I was sharing with the group of students, rather. So I just started making videos in my mom's basement, then a few years later turned to something I never could have imagined. Wow. That's a great intro, and I'm I'm excited to jump into it a little bit more. But before we do, what else do you enjoy doing outside of case competitions and creating some of the the master talk videos and, and coaching and presentations that you do? Yeah, for sure, Kyle. You know, unfortunately, I don't get to compete in case competitions. <laughs> it's only for 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 university students. But I would say, you know, outside of the business, I'm I'm very ninety percent into what I do. So most of my time, I just spend on this. But the other ten percent, you'll find me karaokeing in eight different languages, listening to podcasts, going clubbing with my family. It's something we do. I love thrifting. I'm a big thrifter, going to to stores and and finding new pieces of clothing, and going to conferences and singing kumbaya. <laughs> okay. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? A lot of people ask me that and it's so hard for me to answer. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go with like a Sean Paul song because it really freaks people out when I can rap Sean Paul because nobody understood. Like if you look up his lyrics <laughs> and you look at, you listen to it, you look at the lyrics, you're like, how, wait, how does this make sense? So that's, that's a fun one. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, I won't make, we won't do karaoke right now, but that's good to know. It's, it's like one of those really interesting questions of go to karaoke song, but awesome. All right. Well, I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk about presentation and public speaking, because I think this is one of those skills and one of those things that is so important to so many people, especially now, and especially for so many people listening to this podcast, because uh, within technology, with especially within product management uh, and beyond, talking to people and being able to present well and speak well in public is so important. And you've probably found that in the work that you're doing, obviously within you know within school and and the case competition, like you mentioned. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about your journey. You know, it sounds really interesting. You know, kind of the initial coach, uh, the case competitions that you were doing into the coaching, but can you tell us a little bit more about the journey that you took that brought you into your current work? And then, um, you know, why 
why public speaking for one, and then why the YouTube channel, Master Talk, and then why some of the other things that you're doing? For sure, Kyle. So after a few years of doing these case competitions, the the answer to my life was never to be a communication coach or a YouTuber. I never thought that was a thing. I never even wanted to be an entrepreneur. I thought that was for people who couldn't get really lucrative jobs out of business school, which is where I landed, by the way. I worked at IBM and as a technology consultant for many years. That was my day job. But what happened was at the end of my university degree, I started to feel a lack of fulfillment. And the reason had nothing to do with my job because I had a great job there and they became a client, so it worked out for me. But I think for me, the biggest challenge was finding fulfillment. Where kind of like with professional sports, Kyle, where when you retire, nobody cares about you anymore. It's like uh, an NBA athlete. Like people love you one day and then you're retired and people go, who are you again? Same thing with case competitions, except the shelf life is much shorter. And there's less people screaming your name, right? It's not not 10,000 people. It's maybe like 10 people. But I think the point is, is I didn't have anything exciting to do with my life anymore. And that's when it dawned on me, Kyle, where I accidentally became one of the youngest speech coaches in the world. And the reason is because I just coached 70 people out of heart, by the way. I wasn't, this isn't a business. I was just coaching them because I already had my great job waiting for me. But I coached so many people that I got dangerously good at coaching people how to speak by accident. And I was like, oh shit, I'm actually really good at this. So what made me pursue communication as a full-time thing? It never was meant to be that, so let's start there. The other, it was a hobby. It just started out as me making videos. I felt I was good at it. I watched other people making YouTube videos on communication and I was horrified by what I was seeing. Why? Because how can you be a communication coach and present bad on video? It just made no sense. And most of them were like old white dudes in their 60s. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, there's no way that you can do better than me, even if they have a PhD in communication. So I just got really upset. I was like, this is not the quality that we should be serving humanity with. And I just got pissed off, frankly. (laughs) So I just started making videos. And then nine months into it, every big vision starts with a small thing. I met my business partner who's 20 years older than me. And he's the one who helped me structure into a business where we train a lot of executives and hire up people and how to speak. Wow. That is... That's really great. I love the idea that it started out as one kind of a passion project, then as a as a hobby on the side. And then two, because of that, it really led into something that became not just uh, what you were passionate about and, and doing on the side, but really a full-time thing that is not just what you're doing, but is more fulfilling than what you were doing before from, from what you said. Kind of going into that a little bit more, as you have been coaching and helping people, uh, whether they're executives or, or whether they're other people in business or in other fields, what are some of the biggest issues that you've seen with public presentations and speaking? Lots, but I would say the biggest <laughs> one is we don't dream about it. So what do I mean by this? A lot of people think the biggest challenge of communication, Kyle, is fear. I actually disagree. I think there's a challenge even greater than fear, and that's motivation. How do we get motivated to actually work on our skills? Because if we were motivated enough, think about every hard thing we've done in our life. Why did we do it? We were scared to finish that thing, to get accomplished. But why did we go through with it? Because we had a reason. We had a motivation to go, I need to get this done. A lot of us don't have motivation with our communication skills. Why? Because we don't dream about it. We dream about our expensive things we want to buy the cars we want to get, the watches we want to buy, the expensive vacations. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills, Kyle? The answer for most of us is never. It's zero. (laughs) 
That's why I ever I start every conversation with this question. How would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? How would your life change? Start to reflect on this question, because if you do, you might find a clear reason as to why you need a master communication ASAP, and that will help you push through the fear. Because I had every excuse not to do this. I was a 22-year-old kid who had a broken left arm, still has one, has a bachelor's degree in accounting, and had a cast for most of my life, and presented in a language that was secondary, because I grew up speaking French. Mm-hmm. Who in the world was I to make videos on communication? I did it for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me, and that's why I took action. When, when you face some of those motivational challenges, I, I'm, I'm really interested. How do you approach somebody, helping somebody find the right motivation? Like, you know, I, yeah, how do you approach that? No, no, I just wanted to finish with that. I was just reacting because yeah. you've asked me a question that nobody does. So I'm glad you did. So to be honest, I don't have the perfect answer for you today because I'm still figuring it out too. But I'll give you the best answer I have right now. But I promise you at 65, the answer will be different. (laughs) Here's how I've done it. I actually get like a group of people, let's say my clients, and people can do this with themselves. They don't need to be a client. We're like, let's say there's 10 people in front of me and I'll have them come up with the answer. So I'll say, okay, guys, I want all of you to come up with three reasons. And then we're all going to share it and steal the reasons from each other. Because no one really thinks about their why from a communication perspective. Example, let's say one of my clients, Lauren, I'll say, what are the three reasons that come to you right now? Off the top of your head, don't overthink this. She'll say, "Uh, make new friends, uh, grow my business, and be a better mother for my children. Great. Let's go to the next person. Billy, what do you think? And then Billy will go, "Uh, I don't know, build a movement, uh, get better on podcasts, and make new friends. So I might repeat again. And then what I say is that the shares, guys, is like being at a buffet. So if you get the fried octopus at the buffet, Kyle, and I get pasta and I like and I'm jealous of your octopuses, what will I do at a buffet, Kyle? Question for you. Probably get the get the same thing. So you'll you'll try it as well. And will it cost me more money to do that? No. No, because it's all you can eat. Yep. That's the magic of a buffet. So I use that. I know I'm scaring you a little <laughs> bit because I'm excited by your question is now how does that apply to that 10 people group? If you like somebody's else's answer, guys, what do you do? Steal it. Just take their answer. So the way that we actually get the communication why out, and it's still a, a I st- I'm still trying to figure out how to make this a YouTube video because it's I'm still fresh with this. I literally came up with this like six months ago, so I'm I'm still pondering how to structure this. But the point is, is that if everyone just gives three reasons, you'll hear thirty different reasons, and then you'll find the one that resonates with you. And I force them to circle it, and then I force them to follow through with it. So how does this translate as a simple feedback? I would say write out 10 reasons and don't think about it and ideally find other people to do this exercise with and brainstorm together. Like my answer took me seven years to come up with, but I don't think you need seven years. I think it's just one simple thing that you can get excited about and then just build on that momentum. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think doing it with other people to kind of like you said, steal their ideas or to help maybe another way of framing that is to help uncover what you're also thinking based on what other people are thinking as well to, to find what some of those other things are and, and then maybe latch onto that or, or use that for your own and then help drive that forward for yourself. I, it's a, it's a, it's a really helpful thing because 
I think once you find that motivation, it becomes so much easier to then build on it and move forward. So I'll, I'll be interested in seeing that one. That'll be a great YouTube video. Like once you've really solidified, like here's, here's what it is and here's what to do and distill that down for, for some exercises or something like that. I'm excited about that one. I'm interested in this too, because obviously we've, there's been a big change over the past few years where we've been very much in person and very much shifting to online and video and then shifting back into both in-person and, and video. What have you seen that the impact of that as far as uh, communication and presentation goes? How, how has that changed our communication and presentation? And, and what have you seen as far as uh, how people have handled that and, and how you have helped coach them through that? For sure, Kyle. So three main differences that I would see. Number one, eye contact. So the biggest difference between online and in person is that when you're in person and you look at different people in the room, you have to move your head. You have to bob it. But when you're in online settings, you only have to look in one direction, whether you're speaking to one or 10,000 people, which is the camera lens. That's really the key. You got to keep your eyes on the lens at all time. And that's the first difference. The second difference is energy. Let's face it, Kyle. At the end of the day, it's a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person versus online. Because when you're in person, there's a lot more accountability, right? It's all about saying, okay, well, I got to shake people's hand. I got to talk to them. I got to hug them. So I got to shower this morning. I got to really look good. When you're online, you can say, oh, do I really need pants for this? So <laughs> the pressure is not the same. So it's impossible to show up with the same energy as you do in person versus online. So there's only one solution. Get better in person. Show up with more energy in person so it's easier for you to transfer all of that energy back online. The reason I can show up like this is because I'm a firecracker when you meet me in person. <laughs> so I can bring as much of that as possible online, even if it's challenging. That's two. Number three, accessibility. Accessibility just means this, Kyle. At the end of the day, there are going to be situations where it's easy for you to get feedback and not as easy in other cases. Example. When you're in person and you want feedback, simple. You go up to your audience and you go, want to get lunch? Get lunch with them, get their feedback, move on. That's it. Very simple. But online, it's a lot more trickier because there's a lot more friction here in the conversation we're having. So if I want feedback, the call just ends. I have to schedule another call. I have to get on a phone call. with. You. I have to force that relationship. And that's what I encourage people to do. Those are the three biggest differences. Okay. That's really, really interesting. So would you say then that being remote has made communication more difficult or has it just changed it to be different in some ways? Hmm. So I would say being remote has made it different more than harder in the sense that the format is just different versus like if we're in a podcast in person, I would look at you in the eyes, but now I'm looking at either your face here or I'm looking at the lens or even looking at my face sometimes. So does it necessarily make it more challenging? Perhaps it does in some way, shape or form, but it also gets outweighed by the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you did a bunch of in-person podcast appearances and you're the guest, it's hard to do many shows in a day. Yeah. Whereas if you're virtual, you could do like, if you're crazy, you could do like <laughs> 10 interviews in a day because it's super efficient. 
And that's nuts because you could scale up your message a lot faster. So there's pros and cons to either, but either way, the message is the same. You got to be good at both. The whole pandemic thing was not like a, a one-time thing where, okay, now you need to be good virtually. Virtual is here to stay. So you need to excel at both mediums. Right. You did a really, really great video with five tips for public speaking and probably many, many other videos where you've put in other tips for public speaking, kind of like you were just talking about now. And, and you kind of talked about several there. What are your biggest tips for good public speaking and how can, how can, well, this is kind of a two-part question. Maybe we'll just stick with what are your, your biggest tips for public speaking? I, I'm, I'm glad that you kept the question general, Kyle. And the reason I'm glad you did is because my five public speaking tips, and I, and I appreciate your kind words. You know, the only problem with that video is that people who aren't studying communication won't apply it immediately. So for this podcast, let's cover the three easiest things that anyone can do without any excuse. I call this my easy threes. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, Kyle. So if we try and juggle all 18, whether it's body language, whether it's posture, storytelling, and we try and do all of it, it's not going to work. All of the balls are going to fall to the ground. So instead, what we want to do is ask yourself, what is our easy threes? What are the three balls that are the easiest to juggle? So let's go through them. And I'll pause after each one so I don't monologue here. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a random word like trophy case, like trophy, like master talk, like master, like paper towel, and create random presentations out of thin air. Why is this effective? Because it helps us think on our feet. What I always say is if we can make sense out of nonsense, Kyle, we can make sense out of anything. And that's really the magic of the random word exercise. So do that three to five times a day, it takes you five minutes. And ideally you either do it in the shower because everyone's got 10 minutes a day and ideally everyone showers every day, hopefully. And then the other piece is if you got kids, in your case you do, people are listening, nieces, nephews, you can do this with your kids as you're picking them to and from school instead of listening to music, just have them do random words with you. That's great. So can you give us an example of what something like that would look like? So picking a random word. Uh, how random does it have to be? And then what would it look like to to do a random word exercise? I want to, so I want to pick a random word and then I want to put together just a, a brief presentation on that random word. How, how would I go about that? Absolutely. So for all of you listening to this podcast, Kyle's about to give me a word of his choosing and he did not give me that word prior to this conversation. So go ahead, Kyle, throw me a word. Okay. Uh, printer. Printer. It's a Sunday morning. And as you can imagine, I'm getting ready for the week, Kyle, trying to figure out what are the day-to-day -day activities, the tasks, the responsibilities, and my signature weapon that allows me to come up with that week is a printer. Not necessarily the machine itself, obviously, but what the printer prints out, which is my schedule, my day-to-day -day responsibilities, the important meetings that I have for the week. Because the printer allows us through the click of a button to have access to any piece of information and bring it in a tangible way to the real world. And imagine if our life the thing we desire most was as easy as getting something out of a piece of a printer. Imagine if our life, anything that we want in our life was as easy as just pressing print on our damn computer and just watching this printer magically print out a piece of paper. But the problem with our society, Kyle, is we don't see our dreams and our goals that way. We see it as an ink 
printer from like the 1500s where you got to sit there with like a press and get all of our things together instead of just seeing it for what it is. The small, simple step of pressing a button. Because pressing a button is just as simple as starting a YouTube channel. All it takes is taking your phone and pressing a button. Or even just ordering food for DoorDash and delivery. All it takes is a press of a button. Same thing with ordering food at Amazon or things on the website. All it takes is a press of a button too. So what is that little button that you can press in your life that can help you take action on your dreams? And that's my question for your audience. That's it. Okay. Three to five times a day, something like that. Take something random and put it into just a, a brief monologue or a brief presentation just to exercise some skills on pulling things together, pulling information together and putting it into the context of something random in order to just practice the skill of both speaking and pulling things together in, in, in from almost an unrelated way. Is that kind of the point of the exercise? Yes. And, and the end is, this is my philosophy with coaching, do the harder thing outside of the boardroom. So the boardroom becomes a joke. So if we bring this back to our product managers or product guys or technical guys, the people are listening to the show, generally speaking, when you're doing products, depends on the company, but you're generally managing either one big product at the same time or a multitude of small products at the same time. But since, I mean, you're not doing 50 different products at the same time. So because of that, the questions you'll get asked are actually very limited in scope. They're going to be around the products that you're managing. Okay, Kyle, what's the update on this? Okay, what's the stream going? How are the scrum meetings going? How's agile working? Is there any ways we can improve the process? It's always the same bloody questions. Whereas if you talk about shrimp for 60 seconds. You can talk about trophy case for 60 seconds. You can talk about snuggles for 60 seconds. If you can do that, the boardroom just becomes a laughing stock. And that's really what the mindset that I inculcate in the people that listen to me is the best way to get rid of fear is just make your programs, make your, your practice sweat in the gym so much so that you bleed less in the war. Okay. I, that's a great one. And I love the idea of taking that practice so that when it comes time for the actual difficult things, they're super, super easy. Okay. That's great. That's our first tip. What, what, uh, what other uh, tips and exercises do you have? What, what's the next in the easy three? For sure, bro. So that's number one. Number two is the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our life, at work, at school, on a podcast. We get bombarded all the time. But a lot of us are reactive to those questions, Kyle. We wait for the question to come up about our product. And then we go, uh, yeah, good point. Instead of being proactive. I'm guilty of this too. A few years ago when I started guesting on podcasts, I sucked. Nowhere near as sharp as I am today. I remember when somebody asked me this question, he's like, where does the fear of communication come from? And I look at the guy and I'm like, uh, London, San Diego. Uh, I don't know, man. Right. So I was being reactive instead of being proactive. So what did I do to fix this? Super easy, Kyle. All I did every day for five minutes, I would answer one question that I thought somebody would ask me about my expertise. Day one, where does the fear of communication come from? Day two, what introvert tips do you have? And I did that every day. But if you do that for a year, Kyle, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry. You will be bulletproof. 
And that's the key, especially in product. You do this five minutes a day. There is no question that a VP of product or an SVP of product that can ask you that you won't have the answer to. It'll be a joke. That's an amazing one. Uh, And applied to just about any area quickly makes you an expert in just about anything that you want to be an expert in. Correct. Uh, whether that is product, which I think is excellent. Um, interestingly, when I'm in the job market, I kind of apply that to a, a job search. So what I think of all of the questions I could possibly be asked in a job interview, and I, I list them out, and I have a list of probably like over, I don't know, 100 or 200 questions, and I go through them and I'm constantly adding to them. So I'm not doing that right now because I'm not looking for a job, but any possible question I think could ever be asked in an interview, I have and I go through for that exact same reason. So like, what what is it that somebody could possibly ask me? And then for that exact same reason, to be bulletproof in an interview so that there's nothing that can come up that could surprise me. So I think that's a super fascinating and a super great idea because it it takes away the surprise of questions that you weren't expecting because there's certain times when you don't want to become or you don't want to be surprised by a question and that's job interviews or uh, in meetings or other places so like what are those times and how can you begin to prepare for them right now Uh, and I think that's a great exercise for being prepared for it early so you don't become surprised on podcasts like you mentioned so that it's not like one of those uh, moments of, uh, I, I'm not sure, <laughs> London, San Diego. <laughs> okay, um, great. So that was tip number two, the the questions. Um, um, I don't know if you had a name for that one, but uh, asking. Yep, that's called the question drill. Question drill. Okay, what is your easy tip number three? Absolutely. And I love, by the way, the case studies you presented for question drills, like the interviews. Absolutely. Especially when you're doing user interviews. Yeah. Though you're talking to your users for product, like that's that's obviously the best place to do it. Right? You got to yeah. come up with these questions, and you'll know how to answer great questions if you know how to ask great questions. So they all feed into each other. So let's go into the third box. Number three is so simple, Kyle. Nobody does it, especially in the corporate world. All you got to do, and it depends on your title. But let's say, let's say you're anything above entry level. You're senior product guy, your or gal, right? Gal or guy or gal. You're a VP of product, SVP product. You're the CPO of the company. What you want to do is make a list of everyone that reports directly to you. Ten people, fifteen people, upwards of like fifty people, let's say. And ask yourself a simple question: When was the last time you sent any of those people a twenty-second video message just saying how much you appreciate having them on the team? That's it. Simple. Nobody does this in corporate. Nobody at all. So if you're the one person who does this, trust me, that is the easiest way that I've taught my clients on how to build a personal brand at scale very rapidly with almost zero effort. All they do is they get coffee chats with executives. And then after they send them a nice video message, nothing fancy. Hey, Kyle, just really appreciate you taking the time to meet with. I loved our conversation on X, Y, and Z. Hope you're having a wonderful week. And thanks again for your time. Man, does that stick. Man, does that stick. And it buys your people, especially if you're more in the senior level side, it buys your people into the number one metric that you're being measured against and has nothing to do about your product. It has everything to do, and we know this as senior executives, for those of you who are listening to us who are one, the number one criteria you're being measured against as an executive is the retention rate of your team, second to none. 
Because if everyone's leaving you, you're a shitty executive. So if you're sending these videos to people, you're buying your team into a level of loyalty that nobody in your industry can compete with you against. And this is why the people who do this exercise and the other two easy threes absolutely decimate their competition in the marketplace. That is an amazing one. Uh, For a couple of reasons that come to mind. One, we're in a almost a culture that is, uh, has become much more video centric and video oriented. Like when you think about all of the platforms now that are very similar to that idea, you know, TikTok and Instagram stories and other things with all of that said, I have never seen that before and have never received anything like that and have never done anything like that either. So guilty as well. That is probably one of the the coolest ideas that I've heard because I, I think that it does the things that you say in that it definitely stands out and as an executive or a leader differentiates and helps kind of solidify those retention metrics like you were talking about. I, I think that's a super fascinating thing that uh, is both different and um, probably accomplishes all of those things that you were talking about. So how many people buy into that once you suggest it and talk with them? Is it is it pretty universal or is that a tougher sell for, for a lot of people? A great follow-up question and quick point, then we'll jump into that. This is a concept I teach, Kyle, called if you communicate 20% better than your competition, you will stand out 100% of the time. But notice the numbers here. I didn't say if you communicate 2,000% better. No. I said, if you communicate 20% better, you'll stand out 100% of the time. So the video message is a great example of the 80-20 here. It's not like, I'm not asking people to be perfect on these videos. It's literally, you open the phone and you go, sup. And it's like, that alone is better than versus everyone else that are sending no video at all. So that's the point that I want to drive. In terms of buy-in, so there's a couple of levels here. I would say for somebody who's listening to a podcast who doesn't have access to me, just in general, the listening to this podcast, I don't see a lot of people doing it. That's why the easiest version of this is start with your family members. Do it with like distant relatives or cousins that don't live in your state. People are really open-minded to be friends. I would start there and, and, and uh, branch out to teamwork. In terms of my, my client base, the buy-in is 100% because I'm really intense with them. They don't have a choice with me. Like it's, I'll break your arm if you don't get the result, which I don't, I don't bring that side out when I'm podcasting. I want to be nice to people since 99.9% of people won't actually work with me. So for, for that reason, I would say, look, do your best. But yeah, my clients don't have a choice. I, I'm a pretty aggressive with them. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Okay. So you have a number of videos and you know, we've talked about uh, some, some really simple and great exercises to help people uh, get better at communication, uh, you know, from the, the random word exercise to the questions drill to sending out videos. Uh, you know, I personally struggle with some of the things that you talk about in some of your videos. Filler words is one of them. So uh, working on the, the filler words and that, you know, that's one of the things that over the course of this podcast and other communication things that I'm constantly thinking of, I think other people probably struggle with other things that you talk about as well, whether that's, uh, you know, mastering silence or, or, you know, the eye contact, like you talked about earlier, especially given the fact that we're in uh, a remote setting in many cases and other things, how can we go about practicing and doing better in some of these things. So, you know, you talked about the easy three, 
But what about some of these other communication things that folks might be thinking about in their communication styles or other areas? How can we practice or focus on doing better with some of our other communication uh, issues or areas of development? For sure, brother. I would start the conversation by saying anyone who's listening to this podcast and is implementing the easy threes, you definitely got the value from listening to this. Because the biggest mistake people make, Kyle, is they'll listen to this and go, wow, Kyle, you brought in such a cool guest. He's like a YouTuber and he's showing these video messages. Wow. Mind-blowing question drills, random word exercise. But here's the problem. Nobody actually does them. That's the problem. <laughs> Yeah, they, they think it's cool, kind of like a shiny object you see at a toy store, and then you kind of just leave it on the shelf and you walk away. So what's the key here? Book 15 minutes in your calendar tomorrow and do the bloody thing. Five minutes. Question, one question. That's it. Five minutes. Random word exercise. Five minutes too. Get your kids to do it. You'll realize your kids are a lot better at doing it than you because kids overthink it. I mean, don't overthink. Excuse me. Adults do. Oh, yeah. Like, do I need to do this? What's the format? Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Kid just does it. Oh, teddy bear. Okay. Well, teddy bear is this. Just do it. Video message, same thing. Do this with yourself and also encourage your kids to send video messages to their grandparents. It really makes their day, right? So, so that's really the key. Do it. The best way to speak is to speak. Having said that, I would say the next piece that I would comment on is a, is, a, is a strategy on how to prep presentations, especially for people working in product. This will really improve your efficiency when you're communicating key ideas on whether it's the feature set that you're building, product improvements, those types of uh, summarization of what you're working on that quarter to the steering committee, the person who's managing that PL and the org. I call this the jigsaw puzzle method. Communications like jigsaw puzzles, Kyle. You know those toy puzzles? I'm sure you and your daughter do a lot of those, right? Puzzles. Yeah. So I'll ask you the question. It's simple. Don't worry. <laughs> when you and your daughter are doing puzzles together, which pieces do you start with first and why? We start with the edge pieces because they're the easiest to find and they create the border that we can fill in. Absolutely. 10 out of 10, Kyle. It's another question because why don't we do that in presentations? Because a lot of us, when we present, whether it's in product or any other division, we shove a bunch of stuff in our presentations. Shove, shove, shove. We start the middle first. And then we get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. Last slide's on something like this. Uh, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks. Right? So it sucks. It's terrible. So instead, what you want to do is you want to start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 30 times. 40 times, 50 times, till it's perfect. A lot of people are saying, well, Brent, I'm so busy. I'm a product guy or gal. I'm working so hard. I don't have time for this. Well, let me break something to you. 50 times doing the introduction actually isn't that long because your intro is 30, uh, sorry, 60 to 90 seconds. It'll take you only an hour to do this. So do it 30 times. It'll take you 30 minutes. That's it. Same thing with the close. What's a great move with the terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie, right? Same thing with the conclusion. 30 times with the conclusion. Once again, another 30 to 45 minutes. And that gives you momentum to tackle the middle. Whereas a lot of people in general, especially in product, whenever they practice presentations, they do the whole thing over and over and over again. So they don't see incremental improvement. They get tired and they get lunch. Not a good, not a good way to do it. Okay. I think <laughs> <laughs> you're like frozen in time or something. <laughs> no, I think I think that's really good. I think it's really fascinating too, because the a lot of the research too talks about how the the first part and the last part of anything are the parts that stick the most with us. So a good opening and a good closing 
uh, even if some of the the middle stuff isn't as well baked or isn't as good, will stick in our minds as something that is good. So if a show starts out well and ends well, we will think of it kind of like you mentioned as something that that's a good show, a presentation that starts really strong and ends really strong. We will think of it, we'll look back on it as a good presentation. So making sure that we have a really good opening and a really good ending will make a presentation much better, even if some of the parts in the middle aren't as, as I guess, well-baked or as fully fleshed out as they could be. So if you're going to take the time to do anything, make it good at the very beginning and the very end. Uh, are there things, are there other things that for our presentations that we can do to make them better uh, throughout as far as the communication and the presentation goes from, from your experience? Absolutely, Kyle. So I would say for me, a lot of the tips that we shared, like the random word exercise, all the question drill, what this does is it acts as a multiplier effect. So the way I think about it is communication is like dominoes. When one of those dominoes fall, all of the other dominoes start to follow. So an example is smiling. So if I ask you to smile in presentations, let's say a formal one on product, you're also going to smile when you're having coffees with product executives or other execs in the company. You'll naturally apply a little bit, not all the way, but you'll start to slowly apply those principles one skill set at a time as it scales over time, right? So that's really the key to, to this. So what I would say is presenting throughout the only time that we can get better is when we present the same thing over and over again. So here's my advice to people in product. And I've seen people do this, so you can copy paste this. We need to find a repeatable presentation, one that we can keep refining over and over again, because that's what improves us. The way I got good at podcasts, because I get asked the same bloody question 300 times. And there's nothing wrong with that. People are not supposed to ask me what my favorite color is. It doesn't help the audience. They have to ask me very specific questions to my expertise. So because I find myself repeating the same thing, the quality of that response improves exponentially as the years go by because I find a better way of communicating. So for example, if somebody asks me, what's your five public speaking tips in the video? I used to answer the five tips, but now if somebody asks me that question, I would say, actually, let me answer a different question. I create my own question because I think it'll serve the audience more. So I flip the question on the host because I have that leadership. So how does that apply to, to, to you, Kyle, or people listening to this? Because some of you are listening to this and saying, well, that doesn't work for me, Brandon, because the products change. The life cycles change. The iteration cycles change. So my presentations will always change. So here's the hack. And this is the million dollar insight. The hack is give back to your local community. What a lot of the smartest product guys have done in my network is they actually do a kid's leadership program where they do pro bono work for a local organization in their community where they find themselves being a product mentor for a group of young children. But what's great about this role when you're giving a presentation on product is the presentation is always the same every year or every quarter, or every six months. When I used to be at IBM, I worked with a lot of product guys. They gave a workshop called Design Thinking, which obviously we all know about. But what's nice about Design Thinking, it's the same bloody workshop every time. It's the same process. We're not changing anything, but when we're presenting it to kids, one, it gives us a clear why, and it encourages us, it motivates us to do better next time because we want to serve those children. And that's how I got my start in the communication industry. So I recommend people do that who work in product currently. Okay, that's great. And it actually 
kind of segues into the next area that I, I want to touch on uh, you know, because we've been talking a lot about the the professional aspect and how we can improve a lot of our professional communication. But obviously, there's the social communication and you know being in social groups and the the friend and and maybe even kind of the the professional social side of things has been somewhat curtailed and, and we're getting back into it. And for those of us who are, are rusty or want to improve our social communication, like what tips do you have for that? How can we either get better at it or you know, what things can we do uh, to uh, get back into those things and, and improve the communication either in the professional social setting or outside of work completely? in our newly found social settings. For sure, brother. So let's keep social communication simple for today. Here's what I'll say. Don't worry about the people at work just yet. I think the most important skill we need to develop is we need to master the art of getting better at talking to people we actually like to talk to. And here's the big problem that I see a lot of people have. My uh, Kyle, I don't know why I was about to call you Michael. I think my mom <laughs> off today. Is, is, the, is the following. A lot of people, they try and ask us this question. How do I get everyone to like me? I think that's the wrong question, Kyle. The right question is, who do I want my 5,000 people to be? Where am I going with this? Let's say you meet somebody new every three days, which is not common, by the way. Most people don't meet somebody every few days. But let's say we did, and we did that for a year. In a year, we'll meet give or take 100 people, right? 100 so people. And let's say we live for 50 more years. So let's assume for this conversation, me and you are 30 years old and we both live until 80. Let's just assume for, for example's sake, 50 years times a hundred people per year, not to make this a math exam, but the answer is 5,000. But the punchline, Kyle, is you only get to talk to 5,000 people in your life, but there's 7.8 billion people in the world, which means this, who do you want those 5,000 people to be? When you enter your life with that frame, it changes the way you network because you go from, oh, I really hope Kyle likes me. I really hope Paul likes me. I really hope Julia likes me to wait a second. Am I even in the right room? Why am I talking to these people? Why am I in this room with this person? Why am I on this call with this person? And then we start to be a lot more pickier, which brings me to the tip. I call this the value list. Make a list of the top 10 people you really enjoy speaking to. People you already love, people you went to school with, people are just amazing. You just get along with them. They're great. They pour into you. They're generous. They're kind-hearted. They're amazing. And ask yourself a simple question. What, what have you done for them lately? When was the last time you poured into them? Have you sent them a video message in the last 60 days just expressing your gratitude for them? Have you ever sat them down for a 45-minute call just to understand their goals a little bit more? Not to give them advice, but just to be a listening ear. Have you messaged them in the last 30 days and say, what can I do to support you this month? And the answer for most of us is no, no, no. No to all three. So here's how you network, Kyle. You pour into the people that you already love and you have them introduce you to the best people in their network. That's it. Simple. That's how you network. And that's how you do it efficiently. And you could do it even if you're the most introverted person in the room, in your closet, you can still do this. That's one piece. The other piece now becomes, well, okay, Brendan, that's cool, but I have to talk to people I don't like at work. So how does this jam? How this jams is very simple, Kyle. If you get really good at talking to people you like, you start to like talking and socializing in general. 
So your social skills start to get better because your energy around it is cool. You get to meet a bunch of lifelong friends. That's why I love podcasting. I love talking to people like you because I know you want to talk to me. That's why you have me on the show. You're like, Brendan, I'm super excited. So even if I don't know you, I'm talking to you as if I've known you for seven years. That's my mindset because I know the level of interest you have in my topic. But that's how I talk to everybody because I've met so many cool, positive people that I just assume that everyone is like that. And that's my frame of reference now. And the way, the more you talk to these cool people around you, and it starts with the five people on your value list, the more that you get excited about just talking to people in general. And then you'll be able to deal with the assholes at work. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's great. Super great advice. I love that phrase, pour into the people you love, uh, because I think that is a, an amazing place to start. And really starts the whole almost machinery working of, of how can you get out of, even if you don't necessarily want to or, or feel like it's too difficult, you know, how can you start wherever you are and get things moving or get things working and just you know pour into the people you love and then build on that, uh, whether it's additional family or friends or other people around you. And then, like you said, then you can deal with the other assholes that you have to deal with. But it starts with the people that you love and then can just expand from there. And and you can hopefully deal with anything, you know, once you've built out, the, you know, circles on circles from that. Uh, that's amazing. Exactly. And to build on that for one last point there is you can only have so many conversations in your life. You know, for, for every one podcast who's excited to have me, there's another podcast who's like, who the hell are you? And that's okay. Like, we don't have time to talk to everybody anyways. So that's why it's so important to pour into the people that really like you, really support you, and just focus all of your, just pour all your heart on, like I'm doing right now, pour all your heart and energy, at least I hope I'm giving that impression, <laughs> right, to the, to the people who are really excited about you. And it doesn't have to be being a thought leader. This who like your personality, who like your vibe, and you go from there. Amazing. Well, this is great. Um, Brandon, I, this has been a great conversation. Um, I've got a couple more questions to wrap up, but before we do, is there anything that we haven't had a chance to talk about that that you would like to mention or that's been kind of top of mind for you before we kind of no, begin to wrap things? You're all good, Kyle. All right. Last two questions for you is uh, for our wrap up. Um, have you watched or read anything recently that uh, you'd like to share with us? I'll, I'll change the question a little bit. I'll okay. give you the best book that I've read in my life, which is Thirst by Scott Harrison. Scott's the CEO of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit. He started to help the world gain access to clean water. I love the guy. He's my hero. But the reason I bring him up, I think he's the best storyteller in the world, if not one of the best, because he went from being a nightclub promoter in his 20s, getting people drunk for a living, to building the biggest water charity in America, which I think is crazy. He's raised like $100 million just last year. I think Scott's a machine. And my favorite quote is, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will from Scott. I think it's really exceptional. Awesome. Well, I haven't read that one, so I'll have to check it out. All right. And then any products that uh, you want to give a shout out to that you're using uh, and enjoying right now or any gripes, you can, if there's anything you've used that uh, you're not enjoying Hmm. Okay. I won't be negative. Let's put this on the pause. <laughs> What's one product I'm really digging? I mean, there's so many things I could choose, but if I had to give you my favorite one, which is super like exciting, is my Bose headset. Uh, it's the best 400 bucks I've ever spent. Honestly, my QC 25s, 35s. It's a godsend when I'm on my flight tomorrow. I can listen to podcasts and people should really invest in a high quality headset. And I'm a cheap guy. I still live in my mom. 
And even if I pay all the bills now, I still live with her so I can retire her. But man, that $400, very well spent. I, I definitely I definitely vibe with that. Those are good headphones. That's absolutely can agree with that. All right. Brendan, again, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your uh, your YouTube channel and anything else that you're doing? Absolutely, Kyle. Pleasure to be on your show, brother. So two ways to keep in touch. First one is the Master Talk YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And number two is check out my free workshop that I do on communication. It's live, it's interactive, and it's over Zoom. So if you want to attend that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. We'll put both those links in the show notes. All right. Again, Brendan, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. And uh, we appreciate it. And again, thank you everybody for listening. All right. Take care. Thanks, brother. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.